they could to get it. Um, and I know that might seem a bit like, cool, how does that apply to my life right now? I'm not a Greek. I don't have statues of silver in my bedroom. So um, I thought it would be cool to ask a few people um, what they think that they worship and things in our daily life that, that they worship, because we do worship things every day. Everybody does. We are made to worship, some might say. So there are things that we worship in our daily lives. So I've asked a few familiar faces what they felt that they worshipped. Can we play the video, please? I worship shopping. I worship likes on Instagram. I worship CrossFit. I worship people's affirmation. I worship football. I worship Love Island. I worship PlayStation. I worship likes on Instagram, I don't know why. If a picture like hasn't got a certain amount of likes in a certain amount of time, I'll take it off. Or it will generally like, change my mood, because I'll be like, why don't people like me? Do they not think I'm pretty anymore? That sort of stuff. I worship CrossFit because I adjust other parts of my life to fit around it. I worship shopping because I am constantly thinking about what I want next, and I'm always spending money on it. I worship PlayStation because I spend a lot of time playing it. I worship football because I spend a lot of time and money on it. I worship Love Island because when I get home from work, if I'm not careful, it's the first thing I think about doing. I worship people's affirmation by spending a lot of time on my image. applause I'm loving it today to Sophie Holloway who made that lovely video for us thank you very much so as we can see from the video worship is simply an expression of adoration great admiration or devotion that is shown to something or someone um, and as we can see in a way we are very similar to those Greeks thousands of years ago because our worship often costs us something as well so um Jacob's heard he worshipped CrossFit because he has to adjust his life around it. It, it costs him his time and he fits his life around that. And so I wonder if we can see a glimpse of ourselves in the Greeks worshipping at altars. Whether we've got a faith or not, we can relate to this. There's an outcome that we want and we'll try everything we can to get it. Whether it's grades, money, success, likes, or relationships, we're constantly looking for what might fulfill us. And we might even go from one thing to the other, looking for something that might fulfill us or will achieve our outcome. And we might even get to that point that the Greeks got to, where they found themselves saying, I don't even know anymore what I'm looking for. I've tried everything, and I'm looking to an unknown God for something that seems to fix things. And in the midst of this is where Paul starts talking to us and to the Greeks. Um, and specifically in this part of the Bible, he's talking to two groups of people um, that are in this culture of worship. And the first ones are the Epicureans, big words. Um, but the way I like to remember it is that it has the word epic in it. And um, it sums up 
kind of the vibe that they're going for. They're the pleasure seekers of the group. They are looking for anything that's going to give them a short-term happiness and a short-term fulfillment. And they're always looking for the next big thing. So they're the people in that verse. Can we just have the verse back up quickly? They're the people in the verse where it says, all the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So, sorry. Um, they were looking for the next idea, the next thing that might answer something for them or bring them some sort of happiness. And one way um, I have thought about this is through my friend Jade. And some of you might know, is she here? Yes. Everybody turn around and look at her. She's in the moon chair with her leg on a chair. Um, as you might see, Jade has broken her foot in four places. Um, and this happened when we were out for a, an evening stroll with our young adults at church. And somehow, I'm not really sure how, Jade and Jacob ended up on the other side of the railings on the Sea Aquarium in Western Supermare. Not sure how that happened. Um, and Jade and Jacob, Jacob was egging Jade on. I'm not going to, I'm going to give her some credit. <laughs> Jacob was definitely egging her on. But there were also about five other of us saying, Jade, don't do that. There is a video of me saying, don't you dare. But it's not very flattering, I'm not going to be honest. So I'm not going to put it out there. Um, but we do have some visual images here. So as you can see up here, Jade, there's me, there's Jimmy, and some others. I think Simon's there somewhere. And Jade, right at the top, um, questioning whether she should jump off of it. Um, we're saying, no, don't do that. But Jacob's just here saying, do do that. Um, so, as you may have guessed, the next picture, please. She jumped. And she landed like this. She looks like she's smiling. But um, the next picture, please. She couldn't walk. We had to longboard her back to the car um, while she was sat on it. I think, is that the only, is that the last one, I think? Yeah, so Amy documented this on the evening. This was before we found out that she'd broken four bones and bruised the other foot. So, unlucky Jade. Um, but the point of this story that I'm telling it is that um, afterwards we said to Jade, why, why did you do that? Just to mention, Jacob did not jump after that, by the way. He didn't jump. He walked down the ramp. Um, and we said, why did you do that, Jade? And she says... I just had a voice in my head that said, do it. And I can't relate to that at all because I like a plan and I'm not spontaneous. And so I can't relate at all to that do it voice in my head. But anyway, this sums up the culture of the epics. They want that short-term short -term happiness or fulfillment. Like Jade was seeking a, a buzz as she jumped. Um, <laughs> their, their outcome is to find pleasure and is always looking for the next thing to fulfill them. And the second group of people that Paul was talking to are the Stoics. And these are the people that are control freaks, much like me, might I add. Um, they say, don't worry, I've got this. They rely on themselves to achieve their outcome. Um, as I said, I can relate to this, and I'm the opposite of Jade. Um, I'm not spontaneous at all. I always want to be in control, and if there's something where I feel like it might be out of my control or um, 
something could go wrong or I could look bad or I could feel embarrassed or ashamed, I'm, I will hold on to it and I will try and control that situation so that I won't be hurt or feel embarrassed or feel ashamed. And this is what the Stoics are like. They want to be in control. They want to hold on to the issue because they don't want to be vulnerable. I can't look elsewhere because I'll look weak. I can't let go of this. I need to be able to control it. I need to make sure it happens the way I want it to. And this is how the Stoics think. I wonder if we see ourselves in either of these groups. I definitely do. In whatever plague we're facing or experiencing, whatever problem, issue, worry or struggle that we are facing, are we an epic? If only I could find that, get that, try that, have that, convincing ourselves that the next thing will solve it all. Or are we a stoic? I've got it sorted. I know what to do. As long as I'm in control, it will be okay. Each one finds themselves never fulfilled, never satisfied, wasting away time when the answer is neither. They're reaching out for an unknown God. But luckily, Paul steps in at this point, And Paul says, there is better for you than this. Paul's saying that you no longer need to search around in the dark or reach for the next big thing or try and control everything. Paul's saying, the unknown is now being made known. And can we put the next verse up? It's Acts 17, 27. And it says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And here Paul is saying, in the midst of whatever you are looking for and however you're trying to find it, God is not far from you. Regardless of whether you're an epic or a stoic, God isn't far from you. And in that verse we can see that God's ultimate purpose, God did this. He's talking about sending Jesus, by the way. Um, Jesus down to die on the cross for us. God did this so that they would seek him, reach out and find him though he is not far from any one of us. His ultimate purpose that was that whatever choice we make, he is not far from us. And Paul, when he's speaking to the Greeks, he's not condemning them. He's not saying, stop looking for the buzz. You're being an idiot. You're living in sin. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is that you don't need to do that. You don't need to burden yourself anymore, searching for the next thing, going from one God to the other, praying and worshipping and Spending all that money on silver and gold, you don't need to do that anymore. Jesus has been become known to you. The message here that he is bringing is that is one of freedom. You don't need to jump from one thing to the next any longer, and you don't need to do this by yourself. God sent Jesus so that we would have freedom in him, and that we didn't have to have the burden of searching for something or holding it all ourselves. Does the band want to come? That was really short. He doesn't want to hide from us or make us work to find him. Jesus says, here I am. Reach out to me. I have come so that you would find me, and that will be enough for you. I'm not distant. I'm closer than you think. Look for him. Reach out, and you'll find him. In the midst of all of this, Jesus is never far from you.